Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you for uh, joining with us here online on the different uh, media platforms. We are so grateful that we have the opportunity to be able to communicate, even when we're not necessarily together in the same room. We thank you for joining us, whether it's live as we do this broadcast for the first time, or whether it's many, many months later as you watch a rebroadcast on YouTube. We want to just take this opportunity again just to, to continue in an attitude of worship and uh, just bring our tithes and offerings before the Lord. So, Father, we thank you that we have this opportunity to bring your tithes and offerings. Or in the case as it's going through right now, we can send our tithes and offerings. We thank you that you give seed to the sower and that you make a way where there is no way. We thank you that as the gift comes forth, we present it to you, not out of obligation, but out of love for you, out of worship for you, and in obedience to your word. We thank you that we get to give tithes and offerings. We don't have to give tithes and offerings. We thank you that there is a distinction. And we just thank you that as this gift goes forth, it may leave our hand, but it never leaves our life. That the seed goes forth and brings forth much fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I'm going to share a couple of different things. Um, uh, well, let me, let me restate that. Uh, I have planned to share a few things, um, but I also get the sense that something uh, may also be, uh, uh, be afoot and changing. And uh, I yield to the Holy Spirit today that you would lead me and guide me and that you would speak through my lips. And that although I may be the voice that's being um, uh, used to speak through, that it's your word that's going forth, that it may affect change in people's lives and it will accomplish that which is set forth to do. We do so as I begin to uh, minister the word in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, if you would, if you turn with me to uh, the book of uh, Colossians or some might say Colossians uh, chapter one, um, verses 23 through 29. I'm going to read it the first time through in uh, the King James Version, and then I'm going to break it apart a little bit in the, in the New Living Translation. Um, so let's start with the King James. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. I know this King James is a bit of a mouthful, but bear with me. Verse 25, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which have been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That, by the way, is going to be the title of the message. It's uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory 
whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. And again, anybody that knows me knows that I'm not a huge fan of the King James Version. I, I, I find I trip over the words, and I, I, um, I do really enjoy reading uh, and the way that it, it speaks to me, the New Living Translation. So we're going to go over part of that uh, scripture again, but we're actually going to back up a little bit further because I want to paint a bit of a foundation. I said the title of this message and I stressed that Christ in you, the hope of glory, or Christ in me, the hope of glory. Make it personal. It is, at the end of the day, we as uh, Bible-believing, Bible-confessing, word-speaking Christians, that's what it's all about, is Christ in us. If it wasn't for Christ in us, what are we? Um, you know, we're, we're Christians. Uh, if it wasn't for Christ, we'd just be Ian's. <laughs> uh, uh, I know, lame, I'm sorry. Uh, but let's, let's go on. Let's stick to the word, John. Colossians 1, starting in verse 15 this time. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realm and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Does that leave anything out? So he created in the heavenly realms. He created on the earth the things we can see and the things we can't see. I think that's pretty much all inclusive. He made things such as thrones kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Well, that should be enough to get our fire uh, started, to get, to get their wood ignited. He was in the beginning. So what I'm going to do now is I'm actually going to take some additional scripture and back that up. We're keep your keep your finger in there or put a bookmark on if you're using a a, a tablet or electronic Bible such as I am. But uh, but put put keep your finger in Colossians because we're coming back. But we're going to go on a couple of little side trips along the way. Uh, first side trip is going to be uh, John, uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter one, and it says. Again, John 1, 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. See, it doesn't matter what's going on, right? God is all-powerful. He created everything from the beginning. And we need to, as, as we start to focus and concentrate on Christ in us, this is what I want to kind of paint the picture of, is that we have resident within us the same power of the Almighty God, the same power that was and is and is to come, the one who created everything from the beginning. 
That's who's resident within us. There is nothing that is too great for him. There is nothing that he cannot empower us to go through. So let's go back to, uh, to Colossians again. This time, uh, pick it up in verse 18 where we left off. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. I'm probably talking fast. I hope you're listening fast. I'm trying not to go too fast here, but I, I got a lot in me. So again, Christ, also the head of the church, which is his body, he is the, he is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So did you catch that word there that he reconciled everything? Does that leave anything out? No. Everything to himself. Everything in heaven, everything on earth by means of what? Christ's blood. So this is another real important thing, especially for those of us who tend to be overachievers or try to be um, uh, conscientious conscientious doers, those that try to uh, get things done on our own and uh, sometimes in our own strength and in our own ability. Um, Having lived a number of years going through it that way, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't work. Save yourself the effort. If you haven't already gone that road, spare yourself the effort. Don't take the trip. Uh, It's educational, but it can be downright frustrating at times when you know if we just relax in God, relax in Him and in His purposes and His way of doing things, things will go so much easier. He speaks to us all the time if we will only listen. And sometimes in order for us to listen, we just have to shut down all the other voices that are speaking in our head. And more often than not, it's our own voice that's talking to us louder than God. Let him speak to you. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Again, not pointing any fingers here. I'm, I'm letting you know that I have been there. I have done it and I have done it wrong. I'll be the first to admit it, and I thank God that he has brought me through it, and he is beginning to open my eyes. And let me tell you, that is also a process, because as he brings the revelation and he brings the knowledge and the understanding, I have to take the time to apply it, and I have to move aside all the traditional thinking, the way of doing things that I would habitually rely on. So there's another habit, right? So let's, uh, let's take that word again, those couple of verses, and we're going to uh, weave in what another uh, passage says, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. That's Ephesians chapter 1, 21 to 23. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put 
all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So who's doing all this? And how much is being done? Well, far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. That pretty much rounds out the whole package, does it not? But not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And he's put all things under the authority of Christ. And Jesus has given that authority also to us. The church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ. It is made full and complete by Christ. Let me say that one more time for emphasis. Full and complete by Christ. It is not by my works. It is not by my ambition. It is not by my habit. It is not by my tradition. It is not by my strength, my emotion, my intellect. It is simply done, it is made complete by Christ. And he, he who fills all things everywhere with himself. So let's go back to Colossians again. This time we're going to pick it up in verse 21. This includes you who were once far away from God. Now we're all in different places in the journey. Some are just have newly uh, discovered God, newly accepted him as Lord and Savior. Others have been on this road for a long time. But at one point or another, most, if not all, were once far away from God. And the one thing I can say too, with probably very few exceptions, there's not very many who couldn't be closer to God. There may be some that are just about as close as you can get, but... I know that there's room to get closer in my life. There's other things that have to get out of the way. You were enemies. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. So who has done the reconciling here? Again, it is Christ. It is God who has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So how many of you, and again, hold a mirror up to my face here, can look into a mirror and declare yourself to be holy and blameless and without fault. Well, if any of you hesitated, right? Let me just bring this to the point. This is where we're going with this, is we really should not hesitate. This is a, a work that Christ has done for us through the blood. It is Christ in us, which is that hope of glory. It is that hope of being without fault, without being, um, uh, without uh, blame or without um, guilt, 
without spot or wrinkle, as it were. We are made right. We are made holy. And again, it's not anything that we can do. Our part is believing and accepting the Lord. Accepting that his way is way better than our way. That we trust and believe him. And in order to trust and believe him, of course, we have to acknowledge him. We have to know who he is. It's probably why I'm spending some time on this. Now, for, for many, this, this may be by way of review. But one thing that I've also learned over my years is that sometimes what we knew or what we thought we knew can always be relearned, can always be enhanced, can always be augmented. And sometimes we can even learn something new within there that we thought we knew and just never even saw before. So we're going to continue again. Uh, This time we're going to go into Galatians 3. Galatians 3, uh, verse 13. Christ, this time it's in the King James Version. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So again, where is this coming from? This is coming as a finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is what has made it possible for us. Jesus was made a curse for us because he was crucified and hung on a tree for us. No matter how unworthy you may feel, he deemed you worthy. Okay, back to uh, Colossians. This time we're continuing on where we left off in verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. We can skip a couple of verses here. Um, Let's pick it up in uh, uh, verse 26. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So once again, it is Christ in us that hope of glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why Paul has wrote this. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So again, whose mighty power is this? It is Christ's mighty power. And who is it being given to? It has been given to us. Why? To develop that relationship to Christ and to bring us to that perfection. 
See, we are made alive with Christ. Let's look, uh, let's look in Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to read a couple of, uh, a number of verses here. So let's start it with verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So in the future, God can point back to you and see all that Jesus has done. He can see his grace in his kindness towards you, and others will see his grace in kindness towards you, even in the future. Carry on to verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We can't earn it. We didn't deserve it. There is nothing we can do, past, present, or future, that is going to earn us salvation. It is a gift of God that we are saved. It is by His grace. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. Think about that for a minute. The creator of the universe. Have you ever seen the glory of the sunset? The glory of the sunrise? The majesty of the heavens when we can actually see stars in the sky. It's getting harder to do unless you live in the country nowadays because you just, there's so much light. You don't see the stars. But when you see these, these, um, uh, star maps and the constellations and, and the, the phenomenon that are in the heavens and the cosmos created by God. The, 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 the working, the, 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 the miraculous function, uh, miraculous? <laughs> miraculous function of our bodies. These wonderful machines that, that medical science is really only beginning to understand. We are his masterpiece. And he sees the finished work. So just like a big lump of marble or, or uh, uh, an unhandled piece of clay in the hands of the craftsman, right? They can see the finished work from that which is started. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We're going to skip ahead now to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Just one verse there. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can come now boldly and confidently in God's presence. So we don't have to be bashful. We don't have to put on any false pretense. We don't have to um, uh, come wailing and weeping and groveling on our knees. We should come humbly and thankfully for what he has done. But we can come with boldness and confidence into God's presence because of what Jesus has done. Again, you got to remember, it's not our works. It's not our process. It's not how good we did yesterday or how good we did today or how good we're going to be tomorrow or what we've decided to give today for tomorrow or what we're going to do for God tomorrow. None of that has any bearing or relevance at all. It's good to serve the Lord. It's good to worship him. It's good to, to do things because we want to serve him. But that doesn't garner any benefit, as it were, in the realm of salvation. That is a free gift. We accept the gift. Just like if I was to hand you a gift, I would hand it to you. You do not get it until you take it. I could leave it here, but it's going to sit there until you pick it up. It is a gift. We need to take it. And then most people, when they receive a gift, will say, thank you. Pause for effect. Ephesians, uh, carry on. We'll go to uh, chapter four. Again, a lot of, lot of word tonight. Trying to keep an eye on my time, and I don't remember what time I started. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. I'll get a sign. I'll get a sign before I'm overtime anyway, I hope. Um, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. So we can say, don't live like the world because they are hopelessly confused. And you don't have to look too far to see manifestations of that. I'll leave it there. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. That sounds a lot like the world all around us today. At least I've seen a lot of that around. Doesn't get any better if you watch any TV either. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let me, repair, <laughs> let me do that again, get the punctuation in the right place. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 
So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we were all parts of the same body. I need to pause there for a second. Stop telling lies. And when I read that, at first I was thinking about, you know, uh, the, the, what we might think of as just typically an exaggeration or, or, or an untruth. But, you know, a lot of it has to do with speaking something that is contrary to the word. Because the word says that we are, um, that we are healed, that we are whole, that we are saved, that we are worthy that we are um, forgiven. And we all say, I, I'm not worthy. I, I'm not able. Those are lies. Those are contrary to the word. So it's not just facts about things that may have happened, that stories get a little bit augmented or twisted. That's not necessarily the only kind of lie. Sometimes we're actually just speaking something that is contrary to the word of God, which is the truth. Okay, verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. You don't want to give him any place, any room. If you are, and again, go to bed with forgiveness in your heart. Don't go to bed and with thanksgiving in your heart. Don't go to bed angry. Because what will happen is we'll just stew and ruminate on, on those things that got us all stirred up and worked up. And it's not healthy. It's not good for your body. It's not good for your mind. And it's certainly not good for your spirit. Hmm. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. So it doesn't matter where you are on the journey. Whatever we're doing that's wrong, fix it. If we blew it yesterday, if we blew it five minutes ago, we can repent. We can say we blew it. We can change our heart. We can change our mind. We can change our direction and we can change our course. It's never too late. We are not ever so far gone that we cannot ask for forgiveness. We're never, never, and again, for emphasis, ever too far gone. Don't go so far down that you, you've got yourself convinced that you're too far gone, that it's hopeless, because it is not. Jesus loves you and died for you so that you could be whole. And not just healed and whole, but that we can live the abundant life, not just barely surviving, but actually thriving. He wants us to be able to enjoy life, not endure life. So, again, verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. There's not very often where we're not in earshot of someone else. So the question is, what is it that they're hearing? Are they hearing the word? Are they hearing the spirit of God through you? Are they hearing hope? Or are they hearing what they hear on the, on the construction sites of the world? 
and around the water cooler at the office. It's not just construction workers that can have foul tongues. We all know somebody, I'm sure. Again, let our words be an encouragement to those that hear them. Uh, Verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you, oops, guaranteeing you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So we are living in the light. We imitate God, therefore, in everything we do. We are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be uh, no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talks, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ. But they too can be forgiven. Uh, Let's go down here. Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light, living by the Spirit's power. So whose power is that Spirit coming from? Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Um, Again, this is uh, verse 15 here. Uh, Ephesians 5, I think is where we are now. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be mindful that we are stewards of this body. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we are the caretakers of this body. We need to put ourselves in the situations and in the position to be able to uh, best receive from the Lord and also minister to the Lord and minister for the Lord. In, um, in John chapter 6, I'm not going to read it all, but there was a point where the Lord was teaching and, and many of the disciples were saying, this is way too hard to figure out who, who, can, who can do this. And many turned. They said in in, uh, John 6 and verse 60, it says, Many of his disciples said, This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, Does this offend you? 
Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. What some of you, but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. It is not in our own strength. Again, it is, it is uh, our own human effort, it says here in the verse, accomplishes nothing. And I'm going to have to move this on here. Okay, let's... let's um, Hmm. Hallelujah. Let's go to uh, try to bring this bring this a little closer to the airport. Anyway, Galatians three. Um, we'll start at verse one, and I'll have to try to read quick. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. There is the crux of it, folks. We believe. We have to believe what the Word says is true. What He says about us is true. Everything that's written in this Word about us is true. We need to believe it. We need to walk as if it is true. We need to talk as if it was true. The Word of God is true. I can have what it says I can have. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do because I am who it says I am. And that is the faith that we must walk into. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to truly, truly believe it and to be able to speak it with confidence, knowing that you are made right with God. So let's dispel that doubt. Let's meditate on the word. Uh, verse, uh, verse three, how foolish can it be after starting your new lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? So again, uh, you know, the Lord speaks to me a lot of times, a lot of times when I'm going to speak and teach it's messages that, that he, he gives to me as well. Human effort is something that I still deal with because I'm trying to do good. I feel, you know, the motive is right. But the capability is not there. He has equipped me, but it's through his spirit, not through my flesh, not through my human effort, not through my own intellect or my own way of doing things. The same goes for you, I venture to say. So we put our faith in Christ. In verse 9, it says, So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. We became, we become heirs. And again, abridging things a little bit. Jesus in you, the hope of glory. You see, he has made us right with the Father. He loves you. He's not mad at you. 
He's not sitting there on a stone throne with a big club waiting to smuck you upside the head just because. Some of us had uh, an image of God that way. Somehow it was portrayed wherever it came from. I can tell you where it came from. It was an image conjured by the devil. And we accepted it. We don't have to. God is a God of love. You are precious in his sight and he delights in you. And I think I have to wrap this up here. So, um, Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. said, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. I remember hearing hearing that line, the Lord holds them by the hand. It's it's uh I remember an old song uh, uh was performed or made popular by a group called Ocean and uh and it says put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. Well that was Jesus, wasn't it? Right? It was Jesus Christ in flesh form for us. Again, he sees the end from the beginning. First Peter one, first uh, Peter chapter one, verse two, God, the father knew you and chose you long ago. And the spirit has made you holy. The spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. And I'm going to close, if I can find the end of my notes, which I have many more of. I think Pastor Gary said it once. He said, you never finish, you just stop. (laughs) I'm beginning to understand. Um, So many times, you know, you wonder whether or not you, you, you have enough uh, for the message, but there's so much here. God's love is, is so good. And, you know, there's somebody out there that needs to know that God loves you and there is hope for you, that he is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He has redeemed us. He has made us clean. He has made us right. He has made us worthy. Although we do nothing on our own strength, when we believe on him, we can trust that we are right with the Father. So I'm going to conclude this message with the, um, with the great priestly blessing from, uh, from Numbers. It's one of my favorite passages, and, uh, um, uh, you know, many of you, again, many of you know me, know that I'm quite famous for the, you know, <laughs> using the live long and prosper um, this to me is where, where that, that's rooted. Um, it means something. May the Lord bless you and protect you, and he will. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you, and he does. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace, and he will. And whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself 
will bless them. That's God speaking. I myself will bless them. So you are blessed. Go in peace. Thank you for joining. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.